got to crawl before you run. So, you know, much like we touched on in the very beginning of this interview here, you know, take your time and do it right, learn everything. And then know that, you know, there's really not a gigantic difference between 10 to 20. There's not a big difference between 20 to 100. It's just knowing your goals and then realizing what your strengths and weaknesses are. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We are super excited, humble, grateful, all the things, because we have an amazing guest, Miss Melissa Mesa. Melissa, thanks for joining. Of course. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. This is exciting. I've never done a Facebook Live either, so we get a podcast and a Facebook Live. I'm, I'm amped. You get both of them today. And so thank you very much for joining us. And I'm super excited because I have met Melissa this year, 2021, I believe. And just hearing more about her experience, her background, how she attained success is super inspirational. So if you are in a spot to grab a pen and piece of paper, it would probably be a good one. Additionally, if you are catching this on your podcast and like maybe running or something, when you get home, it's time to hit rewind a few times. I have a feeling she's going to give you more than a few nuggets and more gems here. And so we're excited to have you. Melissa, thank you very much for joining. Of course. Awesome. Yeah. So let me at least give a little bit of introduction, I think, for Melissa. So she is in the West Coast in sunny Southern California, I'm in San Diego, and she has completed about 5,000 flips. So from a real estate perspective, over the last 19 years, she's just been absolutely crushing it. And she will talk about her teams or business or the organization, all the things that are necessary to complete that much. Cause you, you definitely don't flip 5,000 homes on your own. You work through a business as an entrepreneur and it's just amazing hearing her story. So let me turn it over to you, Melissa, give us a proper introduction. Tell us who you are, what you do today, and we'll just get into a great conversation. Awesome. So yes. Hello everybody. My name is Melissa Meza. I am here out of San Diego, California. I have been in the industry now for 19 years, and that's across various different roles. Um, I found the investment space back in 2008 or 9, which was absolutely perfect because I you know, was doing mortgages and everything leading up to that, and then we had the market crash. So it was a very organic transition, but I love the fact that my entire career started in kind of a different direction in real estate because all of that knowledge and everything that I had from the various different roles is completely applicable to everything I'm doing today. I like to think of myself as a real estate wizard. I am capable of doing what most people think is impossible. And that's because I have that background in 
you know, mortgage finance, title, legal, transactional. I mean, you name it, I've probably done it and sat in a chair. I made a ton of lateral moves, if not even a step back, just to get that experience in various different roles. And so that is what has allowed me to do what I do today. Yeah, that's awesome. And just briefly, before we get too far into the conversation, tell us about your business today. What type of organization do you have and what type of business do you lead today? So as of today, several actually. I do have my own personal portfolio and companies of my long-term holds and my personal investments. And then currently, I'm on with a company here in San Diego called GG Homes, and they are an absolutely fabulous organization. And my current goal with them is to take them from a localized San Diego company, call it, you know, your typical kind of mom and pop, if not a little bit bigger. And we're currently scaling into Orange County and Los Angeles. I plan to be in all of California here by the end of the year. So we are literally attempting the most gigantic scale that I I think I've done over a very, very, you know, quick or short time frame, so to speak. So with that comes, you know, everything that goes into scaling a company. It's, you know, organization of management and the executives. It's implementing software and procedure. It's hiring the right people. It's being able to create processes that you can then duplicate as you go through a scale. So definitely jumping through some hurdles and, you know, learning our lessons and, you know, what we are good at doing and what we need work on right now, which is, you know, integral to being able to to scale that business. So that's what we're doing at the moment. It's a lot of long hours. It's a grind. When I came on, I believe they were doing about eight to 10 deals per month. As of right now, 18 new contracts in last week alone. So we have about 10, 11, almost 12 X what they were currently doing back in August when I joined them. That's awesome. Well, congratulations and uh, look forward to your continued success. So getting into, you know, yourself, right? You've done some amazing things, millions, billions, I think of dollars or whatever, however you measure it. It's gotta be. It's It's (laughs) definitely gotta be. (laughs) So starting, you know, when you were younger, did you think you were going to be a real estate person? No, never. I went to school uh, to get my degree in psychology. I wanted to work social services with abused children. That's where I, I wanted my my path and my direction to go. I came out of college and started as a junior processor for a mortgage company and money grew on trees back then. So, you know, I, I was 20 years old and, you know, making six figures straight out of college and there was just no turning back. You know, social services paid 35000 a year at that point And yeah, there was no looking back once I found it and realized, you know, the capacity and how to make money. But none of nobody, zero in my family came from the real estate side. So I, I've learned it all on my own. Got it. Oh, that's awesome. And the first gigs or the first real estate things, it sounds like job out of college in that time. How long did you have those roles uh, initially? And how long did it take you to kind of go from the W-2 employee and then start investing in your own deals and your own, you know, kind of experience there. So yeah, I started as a, as a junior processor and then went to processor and then processing manager. And shortly thereafter, we became a correspondent lender. So I started uh, selling the loans on the secondary market and funding those and managing our warehouse lines. So it was actually a really, really quick transition, partially because obviously the year and the time and the market and everything for it, it was a booming business. So as the company grew, I started on you know almost a ground level with them. So I grew right alongside with them. So I had to learn everything from the ground up. I I had no licenses, no experience, nothing. And it was an incredible journey that happened very, very fast. Once the market crashed, I then went to go work for a law firm. 
And okay. being at that law firm, I could edit and go through, you know, transactional real estate and things like that, short sales, everything from, you know, litigation to representing, you know, either bank, lender, investor, or, you know, homeowner, whatever it was, we would represent them across the board. So I got to dig into the legal side of it all and, you know, be in the courtroom and be there with the attorneys. And that was probably the best decision I ever made. It was very different, but it, thankfully I found that job right as the market crashed, which was an incredible incredible space to be in. And in doing I bet so, you I that met, was pretty busy during that time. It was, too, right? it was extremely like, busy. But because in of the so, market crash and everything, I'm sure you saw more activity yeah. in that side. But anyways, go ahead, please. Yeah. So in doing so, I met an investor and they said, you know, come work for me. You, you know, you're, you're sharp. You have a, the real estate background. I'd love to teach you the investment side. And I didn't even know that that side of the business, you know, existed. I came from, you know, traditional real estate, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so I worked for him and we did pre-foreclosure acquisitions. And, you know, day one, I was out there door knocking and trying to, you know, get those leads and close those deals. And then I started becoming, you know, more on the analytical side and running the comps and figuring out how to analyze properties. And I was working for a gentleman here in San Diego called Peter Wynn, and he is incredibly brilliant. So being able to learn directly from him, again, was absolutely invaluable. And I didn't make a ton of money out of the gates, but everything I learned how to do literally set me up for the next few phases of my life. And from there, I ended up going to a company called Aslan Residential out of Irvine. And we went from the same thing. It was, a, you know, a localized, they were only in Orange County and LA, a little bit in San Diego. And we grew and scaled that one to, I believe it, when I started, it was a seven, we had $7 million of internal capital. And then by the time I finally exited, I had grown that to a $500 million institutional fund. And we were in 17 different marketplaces, purchasing about $25 million a day. I'd run 16 auctions <laughs> across about five different states for the foreclosure auction. It was a lot. It was a gigantic oh, that's team. Nuts. It sounds uh, pretty nuts. It was. It was amazing. And I can honestly say it was the pinnacle of my career. However, I've been a single mom my whole life. My daughter's 16 now. And after a certain point of leaving at six o'clock in the morning and not getting home till 10 o'clock in the evening, having my brother live with me and he was my manny. So he'd take her to school, pick her up from school, help her with homework, you know, cook dinner and do everything. And I blinked a few years later and realized... I was making a ton of money and I was literally at what I considered the pinnacle of my career, but the cost to me was tremendous. And I had missed so many milestones in my daughter's life that no longer was where I wanted to be. I I wanted to take a step back. I started my own company. I started doing flips just here in San Diego. I had a business partner. We still have the company. It's called Fusion Fusion Realty Partners. And so it was a lot smaller of a level. You know, I wasn't buying 25 million a day. We were maybe purchasing two or three a month. But it was amazing. And I got to be there for everything. And I got to be home and take her to school and go to the dance recitals. And I lost track of what my why was because my why has always been to be able to provide for my daughter. And in doing so, I I lost sight of the daughter aspect. So it was an amazing journey. But at a certain point, I did take a step back and started my own company because there was no way that was going to be sustainable as a single mom. Yeah. So great decision. I'm super excited that you had the the vision of it to say, Hey, this was my original why was my family. And knowing that you had lost track of it, the ability to kind of pivot back then was, you know, kudos to you and congratulations for you. I'm going to pause you here because there's a ton we've already covered that I want to make sure people can really understand and, and help, you know, them make a decision. So our audience, we have a lot of 
active investors and I believe passive investors, people that are trying to figure out how to learn, you know, more about this, you know, the investing side, and then people that are trying to pick up a nugget or two and something they can apply in their own active business. And you took a mortgage background, then you learned a law background, then you learned pre-foreclosure, and then you were doing comps analysis. You literally were door knocking. So all of those, that run, how many years was just up to the before Aslan? So I, let's see, mortgage crash. I got out of mortgage. It was either 2007 or 2008. I'll have to go back and look. And I started with Aslan in 2011. So that that was three years, you know, going to different positions and different roles and learning different things. So the reason I kind of pause there, because some people would hear this number and say, oh, 5,000 doors. I want to do that. And I want to go do that tomorrow. You're like, yeah. But there was also a lot of background, even your, you know, when you think about it, even your college, which you went to school for, I think you said psychology, psychology. So that experience or that learning really transitioned into all of those different things that you do. And there's a lot of years behind, you know, just even laying the foundation for the ability to do what you did was what I'm hearing, right? Yeah. And I think it's so funny because it's one of those questions I get asked all the time, you know, how do I become new or how do I get to where you've gotten or what was the process you went through? And my advice to everybody is, is take your time, you know, do it right. Rome wasn't built in a day. You're not going to create an empire in a day either. If you, you know, check the boxes, there is no shortcuts to success whatsoever. And if anybody tries to tell you or pitch you or sell you on the fact there is, they're lying. It's their success they're interested in, not yours. It was a very long journey for me. I had no idea when I started it where I was going to end up, but I love where I'm at now. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. And so continuing through your journey, right? The first the investor that you worked for, it sounded like that was new to you. And analyzing deals, looking at pre-foreclosures, that's a lot of hard work, hands-on, very active, heavy marketing, looking for distress, looking for properties. What kind of mindset did you have to be in, number one, to jump in that? And then to even have success coming from the W2 world to now this kind of investor mindset? It was interesting, but I'm a sponge. I literally a student of the universe. I love learning. Anything I don't know, I'm going to seek that out, whether or not it's within, you know, the real estate realm or, you know, career professionalism or even just, you know, personal things. I love reading. I think I go through about a book a week is normally my average. And those will, you know, vary from various different topics to, you know, investment books or self-help books or things like that. Just anything that is going to give me that that one leg up, anything that is going to, you know, expand my mind and my horizons, because at the end of the day, you don't know what you don't know. So the more you kind of, you know, welcome that with open arms, and you can proceed with humility and, you know, ask people for help and seek out those mentors and, you know, provide value to them. And in turn, you know, gain gain that knowledge. It's invaluable at the end of the day. It's not all about that immediate dollar figure in your bank account. It's about, you know, setting that solid foundation to be able to grow upon. Yeah. One book a week is pretty nuts. I can't even imagine keeping up with that. But there's a lot of education to that. And uh, there that's is, awesome. but I mean, so I think awesome. there's got one back here. We've got Matthew McConaughey's Green Lights is the one that I just finished. And then this morning I'm starting 12 Months to 1 Million. Yeah, I love reading. It's yeah, that's how I spend my evenings yeah. when I'm not on Clubhouse and I'm not working. Yeah, get it on. Well, that's awesome. So then a couple things. You mentioned $7 million to $500 million. Mm -hmm. That's a 
big number. Like it's hard for me to kind of fathom that. How does that even happen? Just take us through a little bit of insight here. So it goes right back to the growing and the scaling. So once we were able to implement, you know, softwares and procedure and tracking and everything else, which we built then from the ground up, you know, you didn't have, you know, Salesforce or these huge companies, you know, that are now kind of, you know, tailored to your company style. So we literally would sit there in the evening with our programmers and everybody over in India, and we created the entire software from the ground up. And then once we had that, we were able to, you know, go and pitch and approach the institutional firms. We had the background we had the track record, we had, you know, the staff, we had the scale, we had the knowledge and we had the know-how. So it was, uh, I believe by the time we got to the $500 million fund, I believe that was about fund number five or six for us at that point in time. So seven turned into 25, that then turned into 50, that then turned into a hundred, that then eventually we leveraged to institutional capital. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Kudos to you all. And imagining your team, how many people started with you? And then how many people, like when you finally left, how many people were there? So roughly speaking, everybody, including like all of our drivers, because most of that we were doing foreclosure auction stuff. So I believe including all of our contractors, let's call it 17 employees when I started to 350 by the time I left. <laughs> wow. That's a business. That's a business yeah. and a half. Well, it was, and it was so much fun and it was so much hustle. I mean, even just doing the auction bidding, which I miss and I cannot wait for all of that to come back. But, you know, you have your drivers that go out that look at the properties and it's everything from, you know, the meters off or there's shoes at the front door. We think it's occupied or we can't see in or looks like it might have some foundation problems, but I don't know. They ran me off the property and, you know, I'm sitting there with the bidder at the courthouse steps going, jump at 500, jump at 500, jump at 5,000. Nope, back off. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. And that would just be over and over and over again for hours because I did them all here in California. I did uh, the Texas auctions. I did Arizona auctions. It was phenomenal. I I love that just quick paced, quick, fast decision making. Uh, But again, to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about, before, because I had such a strong training and mentorship and education with Peter Wynn and doing the pre-foreclosures, I would have to go through and analyze those properties and the deal and run the comps and do everything, you know, within a split second. I had 30 seconds to make a decision whether or not it was good or bad, or I wanted to bid or back out. So all of that played into that because that that foundation allowed me to be very good at doing that and making those quick decisions. (laughs) That's awesome. I've heard auction and I understand auction. I've never bought at auction, but the way you're explaining it with that hundreds of employees in multiple different states, I always wondered, how does that actually happen? Boots on the ground, drivers looking at those properties, telling you what the deal is. And then you have somebody on on the end uh, actually physically there and you're the, wow, this is a I get it now. I get it. That's tactical. Yeah, I mean, to do it at that level, it took a very big team. I had seven analysts that would sit around me and we had a setup in the office. So my desk is there in the very middle and they were all surrounding me. So at any point in time, you know, I'm yelling, did we check title? Did we get this in? You know, and there's so many different components because when you purchase at foreclosure auction, you don't get that title insurance. I don't have it, you know, a title officer that would go through and run everything. It's not insured. So we had to make sure that we had, you know, somebody on the title side in each individual city and localized market that's literally, you know, they're typing in everything else. I had another individual that would 
just check bankruptcies to make sure that they hadn't filed and it wasn't going to get reversed. It's incredible the amount of due diligence that goes into a 30 second or two minute of like bidding on a property. But, you know, they're sitting there with cashier's checks in their hands. So once I'm that winning bidder, they have to walk over. If I purchase something for 500,000, they're handing them that on the spot. There's no backing out. There's no reversing it. So you got to be pretty confident in your capabilities. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, congrats. And then so that turned into the next round or the next phase of your career. It went from there to realizing, I think what I, what I heard was six in the morning till 10 p.m., not seeing the little one and growing up right there. And so you you took a step back in a different position. How did that next phase look like in your personal, you know, whether it's investing your business, that type of thing? Hello, hello, this is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country, as many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to. I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest, and I'd love to set up a time to talk. So it was a no-brainer for me. Once I and I was getting burnt out. It's a lot of work. My daughter would start complaining, and it just it no longer made sense to me. So the transition, you know, I literally walked away and, and started my own company. And thankfully, at that point in time, our so I was on the acquisition side as the director of acquisitions for the entire company. And the director of project management was also here out of San Diego, and, and he was burnt out and looking to go on his own way as well. So we partnered up to start our own company, which was phenomenal because I had the acquisitions and the operations and he had, you know, the project management and all the contractors and all of those. And so I can do project management, but it's definitely not my favorite aspect of the business. I oversee it now in a much higher level. I have my project managers and people in place, but I learned all of the tricks to the trade and how to track that and, you know, softwares and systems for construction and the workarounds or the little, you know, sneaky tricks or things that you can do because there is a lot of liability that goes into flipping a property. I mean, you you have to make sure that, you know, you are on the up and up. Otherwise the amount of liability or, you know, we live in the most, well, I personally live in the most litigious state in the entire United States. So if somebody thinks they can sue you, whether it's valid or not, they're going to sue you. So it was very interesting to go from having that corporate backing and that large fund and being the operator to, you know, investing my own capital and, and doing everything on my own for our company. And it's really nerve wracking when you don't have that gigantic portfolio and company behind you because every little move you make matters. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, good insight there. So then what next? I'm excited to hear all this stuff. So what? I don't all know, right. I, I, I'm warning there? you the next, the next chapter is not as fun. What, so what I, year was this that we were stopping at? That was, oh, let's call it maybe 2015. 
Okay, I'm with you. I believe it's 2015. So started my own company, you know, we were purchasing, we were buying. And it was kind of fun. You know, I, I actually got to go out, you know, there's, I, I think I have videos somewhere of my daughter when she was like nine years old, you know, breaking out the cabinets, and I'd go and, you know, paint the walls. And it was extremely, you know, hands on. And I loved it. So I took my investments and everything else. I was accumulating the rental properties and the long-term holds at that point as well. And unfortunately, I ended up meeting a man and falling in love. And he swept me off my feet. And in hindsight, wasn't the best decision to make. He ended up not being exactly who I thought he was. And so we were together for a few years. We were engaged and I actually had to leave about 90 days before our wedding. He got convicted eventually of felony domestic violence, but he was a very, very narcissistic controlling person. And I don't know how I didn't see it when I was in it, but I didn't. So I went from being, you know, incredibly successful and everything else to taking all of my properties and everything. And we put them in our family trust. So my name and his name is on it and everything's on it. And we weren't even married at that point in time. He ended up uh, not really liking my business partner. So I sold my interest back to him and walked away from my own company. So about a year and a half into meeting him, I realized I'm living under his roof. I have no company or income. I'm basically a receptionist at the company that he has because somehow, some way he convinced me that working for the family business was better than creating my own thing. I was driving his car. I literally went from being completely self independent to completely dependent on somebody else. And unfortunately, he definitely was not worthy of that. And so I left and I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want him to know where I was living, where I was going, you know, anything that was happening. So I literally signed everything over to him and walked away. So on February 9th, 2018, I left. I had no home. My daughter was in private school. I had no way to pay the bills. I had no vehicle. I had to go to Enterprise and rent an Altima. And I had $600 left on one credit card. So I literally lost it all. Yeah. Wow. Wow. But I was able to do it. And so the fact that, and I still don't know how I pulled it off, but it's a testament to if you can believe in yourself and if you really stop at nothing and, and keep your goals in mind, I mean, it's amazing what, what people are actually capable of doing. So yeah. in the last two and a half years now, I have built everything back up. I have more rental properties. I am, you know, incredibly successful with, you know, my goals now are much larger and bigger than they ever were before. Everything that I am trying to create and do at this moment are things that I never even thought I was capable of doing. So it gave me back that self-confidence and really showed me that it doesn't matter if I'm making you know a couple million a year or if I have negative $600 to my name. One way or another, I'm going to figure it out. And I have yet to land on my ass so hard that I can't get back up, thankfully. All right. Congratulations. I'm super excited. Super inspirational. I'll help someone now that's listening for somebody that is in a situation today, like you were in, I know there's a ton of stats about, you know, the number of, of women that just can't pull themselves out of these relationships the way you did. You know, can you speak to them and, and give them some advice, please? I, my heart goes out to anybody that is in that situation because I was so beat down and I had been convinced in the most, you know, crazy mental mind just screws ways ever that I wasn't capable of that anymore. And, and I became, instead of being confident, having a voice, knowing what I wanted, you know, it's, I don't 
even know how I found myself in that position. And so if there's anybody that is going through that, all I can say is it never gets better. Might as well cut your losses and walk away because me as a woman in that position, I kept holding out hope. You know, I kept praying that the person I originally met was there somewhere and that would come back around and our problems would solve. And, you know, they don't. And at the end of the day, when somebody shows you their true colors, don't try and paint a different picture. But that's really, you know, my biggest set of advice. And to anybody that thinks that they're stuck, because I did, you know, I had no job, I had no money, I had I had nothing. You're not stuck. There are services, there are people. Thankfully, I have a very large network and friends and family that were able to jump in and assist. But if you don't have that, you know, that network or those connections, there are a million assistance programs and stuff that you can get on. So it never gets better. It only gets worse. As of right now, he just uh, got a warrant for felony stalking because three years later, he still has not left me alone. I have another restraining order hearing next week. He's not a good person. So just know that there, there are protections, there are things in place. And if anybody is going through it currently, please reach out to me. I am in a position now where I can help. All right. Fantastic. Just you sharing, you being vulnerable enough, open enough, and then caring enough to, to kind of just be in the situation to share. I know it's a very brave and I'm happy to have you just you know talk a little bit about it now. So thank you very much. Of course. Yeah, it was something I could not talk about up until just very recently. And then I realized that it's nothing to be embarrassed about. It was a position that I found myself in, but there was so much shame and embarrassment that I, I was harboring and that I held. And once, you know, and trust me, this is three years of, you know, going to visit my shrink and doing talk therapy and going through everything else. But once you get past that shame and you realize that it's not your fault, it really opens you up to being able to heal and move on. So thankfully, I'm yeah. finally at that point. But it took me a long time to get here. It's not a quick process. Amen. Well, God bless you, your family, all that you do, your business. And thank you for, again, for sharing. So of course, you're so extremely brave. Now you've moved past that moment and you've been able to rebuild again, which I'm hearing. I'm like, wow, you're just unstoppable here. So in the last, we have 15 minutes ish. Please tell us what you're doing today and how our audience can help you with some of your goals and, and what you're doing now. Awesome. Yeah. So if anybody's listening and you have any deals in Southern California, that's how you can help me. But right now, like I said, I'm working for Gigi. I have always been a big advocate, a direct to agent business and interfacing and creating referral partnerships within the local area agents. So right now, my biggest push is I am creating, I've created, but I'm trying to get more brokerages and stuff on board. So it's iBuyer sites for the agents. So I don't want Zillow. I don't want Open Door. I don't want any of those gigantic companies in my backyard. So we have websites, it's everything from like, you know, Zillow killer to your neighborhood iBuyer, but I am doing all of the sites, all of the marketing, all of the training on how to pitch a cash offer. And I'm really trying to cast our net as wide as possible. I don't consider myself a salesperson. I consider myself an educator. So if I can go through and I can, you know, teach and train these agents how to do it and when it makes sense for those cash offers and how to present those and even how to go through the other gigantic companies' contracts and pick out all of those fees and everything else that are hidden in there, 
that's what my goal is right now for my localized market is to really educate all of the agents and brokerages and be able to pay for and push and create that referral partnership with them so that they can bring value to their clients. They are agents. They have a fiduciary responsibility to these people. Those companies do not. And and most people are not educated enough and do not come with a real estate background to even understand what they're signing or what they're getting into. And there's just so much misinformation and so much many shady characters out there. I want to bring back the, the confidence in the agent, the confidence in the investor, and a different level of ethics and morality to the overall business model. I also started a nonprofit called Rise Up Residential. We are in our infancy stage. We started it last year, right before the pandemic. And so kind of went on pause, you know, about a year ago today, actually. But we have our board. We have everything else. We have been doing a numerous amounts of meetings with impact investment funds and everything else. We're applying for government grants, you know, and really just networking hard with the local area, government, city council, and other nonprofits in the space. But our goal is to take what has always been the for-profit business model of a real estate investment company. And so to pivot that to a fully nonprofit model. So I want to be able to, you know, get these properties and purchase them just like you would your standard flip, you go in, you renovate, you sell it for a profit. Mm -hmm. I want to purchase these. I want to create sustainable green homes. I want to make sure they are good for the neighborhood, the environment and the occupants. I want the low VOC paint. I want solar panels on the roof. I want the tankless water heaters. I want, you know, the, the drought resistant, uh, you know, features in the yard, you know, everything top to bottom, I I want to create a clean, living, healthy environment for these families. And I want to turn around and sell those as the affordable housing. I don't think that housing should be limited to the wealthy. There are a lot of people that I would love to help on that journey and create those homes for them. And any profits or anything that's generated from that, we are taking and we're earmarking for our ultimate goal, which is to take a building or a hotel. We don't know which direction we're going to go. You know, there, There's a lot of due diligence that goes into this, but we want to create a fully sustainable building and create micro housing units to help both, you know, uh, single mothers that have no place to go because obviously that's near and dear to my heart, but also the homeless population. I spent six years living in downtown San Diego and got to meet some of our homeless. And some of them are there by choice. Some of them are there because of mental issues. A lot of them are vets that are just down on their luck. And some of them just had no place to turn. So I want to help the ones that want help. And I want to create a a safe space and a transitional living that's, you know, a little bit more permanent than most. And really partner with the other programs here in San Diego so we can not only give them shelter, but we can also give them access to those programs to really change lives. Yeah, that's so awesome. Congrats. I love yeah. that model. It's uh, There's so many good things about it. One, we're still cranking away. You're still having success. You're still making a ton of cash, ton of profits, and you're pointing it in a different direction. Very similar. The difference is the beneficial or social impact, as well as the green impact for the houses, so many different avenues that this provides, you know, assistance to other people and just us people, you know, in general and our culture communities. That's really awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that's my passion project. So I, uh, you know, I'm going to stick with Gigi here for you know the next long haul and and create those goals and that scalable company in the different marketplaces. And then my eventual goal is you know to step away once my job is done here with them and they are fully functional and can stand on their own two feet. And then I personally am going to continue with the buying of the long term holds and the rental properties and things like that. I want to spend you know the next portion of my life living off that passive income and having something to pass down to generations that I never had before 
for. And that will allow me to, you know, spend time on, on Rise Up Residential and really focus on that and pivot from, like I said, from a for-profit model to a fully non-profit model and really focus on just, you know, philanthropy work here for the next, uh, you know, chapter of my life. <laughs> I'm excited for you and happy for you. This is awesome. Give anybody that's listening, this is just general investor advice here. How do I even begin if I'm you know, never done a first deal or go from 10 to 20 of anything, much less 5,000. How do I even start to kind of think about this stuff? Got to crawl before you run. So, you know, much like we touched on in the very beginning of this interview here, you know, take your time and do it right. Learn everything. And then know that, you know, there's really not a gigantic difference between 10 to 20. There's not a big difference between 20 to 100. It's just knowing your goals and then realizing what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if your weakness is something that you cannot improve by learning, then surround yourself with people that complement your strengths and weaknesses, because that will propel you tremendously. There are things in this industry I don't like doing. I am not good at cold calling, for example. I can't cold call to save my life. I can talk to anybody. I can close any deal. I can't cold call. It's not comfortable. I don't enjoy it. It's not something I like in the slightest. And so we have a team of cold callers that do that. We have Guideson that goes through and trains them and he loves cold calling. And so, you know, that's not something I could ever do, but without them and those systems and that team in place, I wouldn't be able to generate even a quarter of the business that we do. So it's really just, you know, recognizing strengths and weaknesses, filling those gaps and surrounding yourself with good people. All right. I love it. Same way I approach commercial multifamily investing. So there's so many, you know, great individuals that have years and years and years of experience, whether they're property management, whether they're the financial analysis of your cost segregation studies or depreciation and how much tax benefit we can get or construction. I don't know the first thing about putting on new roofs or scoping plumbing lines. Come on. But having somebody- yeah, I, I love all that stuff. That. And I'm great at the analytics side. I mean, I have 10 unit deal right now that was mm-hmm. 10 individual single family residences that I'm going through and we're subdividing the lots. You know, we're going to do condo conversions because it's going to be the easiest. So as of right now, I, I've got to learn how to go through and develop those CCNRs and file everything with the city and file everything with the DRE and the difference between white paper and pink paper and amended public reports and all of that stuff. So that was my current uh, project that I've been working on here. So it's a $5.6 million acquisition. I am set to close here shortly. And hopefully I can turn that over in about six months for about seven and a half million. Get it on. I love it. A couple million here and there. That, that'll work. <laughs> a couple million here and there. Well, that's, this is awesome. Thank you very much. I know we just kind of like scratch the surface of this, but maybe we'll have you in for another interview and you can dig into some details. So if it's super inspirational, I think for the most part is, is learning that anyone in any situation, no matter who they are, what they are, you know, what they're going through, if you have believe in just yourself and just keep pushing, be persistent and have your goals there, keep your why uh, was another thing, you know, front and center and, and your ability to move then you can absolutely have success. And I'm inspired. So thank you very much. Oh, and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. So is there anything we didn't cover today? Well, also, where can people reach out to you? If they want to get in your world, they want to assist, they want to maybe invest or whatever, where can they go to? And then who do you want to reach out to you? 
Okay. Yeah. So I, I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram. Facebook, you can find me, Melissa Meza. Instagram, I'm at Miss Meza. So at M-I-S-S-M-E-Z-A. So you can get a ton of DMs and everything else through there. So, I mean, even from doing our, our clubhouse room last night, I think I still have, oh geez, somewhere north of 40 DMs to respond to. So please have patience and know that I do get back to everybody. A lot of the times my response is going to be, yes, I, I would love to help you, but I'm going to lose this DM. So here's my email address. Shoot me an email. We'll flag it and set a meeting. But short of that, I'm on Clubhouse every Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We do rapid fire real estate, which is believe how I initially met you, if not in a different room, but yeah. find us there every Thursday. We normally go for a few hours. It's a ton of fun. So whether you are a, a seasoned investor or a seasoned agent or somebody that's been in the business for you know eons or you're brand new, anything from considering to buy your first house or make your first investment, or you know if you're in a different industry and you're looking to invest, I can guarantee you if you pop in that room and ask your question, somebody's going to have an answer for you. And it'll probably spark a, a very interesting conversation as most of them do, because we get a ton of people on that stage and everybody sits at very different, you know, seats with very different perspectives and comes from, you know, varying different backgrounds. You could say you're a real estate investor, but there's, you know, a multitude of different things that could mean depending on what vehicle and, you know, what your process is. So I love being in there and having somebody ask what seems like to be such a simple question and sparking that debate amongst all of our moderators. And I have learned so much and I've made so many amazing connections and wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for it. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you very much. And Clubhouse is networking with some steroids. It's super quick. It happens super effortlessly to meet a bunch of real estate folks. Can you share, I don't know anything about Clubhouse, why you think we're all on there and why you think it's so beneficial to our business right now? I personally think it is one of the greatest forms of social media ever developed. And I say that because if you go on Instagram, you scroll through and you've got, you know, all all the women in the bikinis or people, you know, standing next to a jet or going on vacation. And it's just, it's so fake, but it's, you know, it's all aesthetics and it's all, you know, putting out images that they want people to see. Whereas on Clubhouse, you don't get that. You have to know your shit. I mean, you could pick apart somebody that is a completely just fake or fraud, you know, within the first few minutes of them speaking. So I love the fact that there is now a platform where it's actually based on knowledge and education and network and sharing and coaching and mentoring and just collaboration and masterminding. And you take away that aesthetics and all of that, sorry for my words, but all of that bullshit that comes along with it. And you've kind of, once you peel back that layer, I've gotten to meet real people that do real things, that have real businesses, real investments, and to be able to network and mastermind is phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, There's so many amazing folks that I, again, don't think I would have had the opportunity to meet with. And then it definitely helps our time with the pandemic. It just kind of, my wife is still, and I, right, we don't want to go to big groups or big meetups, big conferences. And we actually, I just got my first vaccine shot. So I'm, a, I'm officially a vaxxer and oh, nice. uh, I'll get my second one scheduled, whatever, but that gives us a little more confidence. But even then this last year, that was kind of the premise or one of them for the podcast. And then clubhouse came out. I'm like, okay, this is great to be able to meet with like-minded folks and still kind of keep that networking part up where we lost that in-person ability. So anyways, this has been awesome. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Is there anything we didn't touch on today? Anything we didn't cover? Anything you're hoping I asked and just didn't? Or last final parting, just anything you'd like to share? 
No, I, I guess the one thing I, I will leave this with, and it's it's typically my, my ending quote to just about anything or my final quote and, you know, any publication or interview I get, and it's just that your current situation is rarely your final destination. So if you can learn to enjoy the journey of life, even while on a detour, it's going to be a much better world and perspective and beauty and everything around you that you live in. So just know that if you don't like your situation, the only way to predict the future is to create it. Boom. <laughs> Boom. My name is Abel Pacheco. I'm the host for Five Talents Podcast. Thank you, Melissa Mesa, for joining. If you heard something that provided you some value today, go subscribe, rate and review our podcast, connect with us, Insta, Facebook, and all the places, and reach out to Melissa. She would love to have you in her world and vice versa. So thank you very much. Thanks, Melissa. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65-page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're going to show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm going to give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Let us know and we're going to send you a copy. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.